so happy to do any of them, any one of them. I would just be so happy to be there. I would work so hard. Boo, 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 boo. Hi, I'm Celine Gabrielle. And I'm JG Sackis. This is Art. Okay, cool. A podcast about life as an artist, specifically an emerging artist. The ins and outs, the ups and downs, the day-to-day behind-the-scenes stuff. The good, the bad, and everything else in between. All right, let's go. Hello, Jade. Hello, Celine. How are you today? Very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited to talk about artist residencies. How about you? I'm very much looking forward to digging into that topic. Awesome. So before we do, though, why don't we get caught up on what you've been up to this past week? Oh, okay. Yeah, I've had a I've had a good week. I have been I got that commission. Bah, 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 bah. Hey. So I have been working on that. Um, last week, I was lucky enough to get into a studio to make all of the glass pieces. So last Friday, I did a six hour day in the studio all by myself. And I made like 15, 16 individual pieces. Wow. And then my yeah, then my body immediately turned into dust and reconstituted itself over three days because I like haven't done anything in six months and then went as hard as I could possibly go by myself for six yeah. hours. That's like zero to a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm still recovering, probably not the smartest move, but I got all of the glass that I needed done in one go, which is great for the budget. And um, I'm just uh, getting things together for that. So, you know, doing doing the troubleshooting, uh, testing things, etc. So what about you? Exactly, what did you exactly? Wait, was that exactly the number that you needed? Did you say fifteen? No, no, no. I did more. So oh, it's okay. um, nine. I'm I'm like, no matter how careful I am, and I think honestly, when I'm trying to be careful, I break more things. But yeah, no matter how careful I am, I feel like I always break something um that's just like my my nature my vibe um so yeah I did a couple extras of a couple of different things and so now to complete these what's left like the glass part is done but you still have to do the metal part right yeah so the metal parts um they need to be gilded and sealed I have most of that done and then the I'm workshopping still how I'm assembling everything because the metal element needs to be cast into the hydrostone base and then yeah and then the glass needs to sit on top of that base nicely so and I'm doing all that from home without like big studio equipment and grinders and stuff like that I'm just using basically like my Dremel tool to do any grinding So there's still some, some technical things that I need to work out, but I'm just kind of going through it one step at a time. That's awesome. And so what was the final date that you need these for again? March 1st, two weeks. Okay. So yeah, you're going to be busy. Yeah. But that's exciting. Are you going to share like progress shots on your socials? Yeah. So here and there I've been like sprinkling in some things. Um, and I, I've, tried to document as much as I could because I was working by myself. Um, but yeah, I'll share, I'll share that journey on color worship. I can't wait to see how you figure that. 
all out and have it come together. I'm excited for you. Thank you. What about you? You've been working on a new painting. What's been going on with you? Yes, I've been working on a paint, which is good, but I don't know. So right now, my personal circumstances are that my husband's working overseas and I have two teens, a 14 and a almost 13 in a couple months. So I feel like no matter how hard I try to spend as much time as humanly possible making art, there's always so much shit that interferes. Like this mm-hmm. week we had orthodontist and dentist and haircutting appointments. And then it was Valentine's Day. And even though he's away, I, you know, spent the day with them. And I don't know. It's just, it's been tricky to have the time that I want dedicated to just being in the studio. But I'm doing my very best. So I probably did get, I don't know, like, I don't track. And I've tried before to, like, keep a log. And I do it for two or three days that I forget. And then I try to remember. Anyway, I just don't. So I'm guesstimating I probably only got, like, 10 to 15 hours actually painting, Mm -hmm. which is not a lot for me because it takes me a long time to finish a painting. So I I need time. So yeah. I mean, it's been good. I made progress and I'm actually happy with the progress that I did make, but I sort of feel like, oh, I wish I had more time. Anyway, it is what it is. And now today, I think last time we recorded, there was a snow day. And then today the kids are home again because in Nova Scotia, they're very quick to do snow days. Like, right. I grew up in Ottawa. We had snow. We had slush. We had everything. I went to school every day an okay mom or like even a bad mom takes a lot but like you're such a good mom it's just like so much time and energy and it's I'm sure all worth it and beautiful and amazing but geez louise so much well you guys are amazing again it's just like I think I'm I'm a fake I'm a fake uh single mother for a year while he's away but can you imagine like real single moms too I'm like holy my mom single mom and yeah I uh a single mom in her like early 20s like she had my brother and I when she was like still a teen so yeah it's crazy it's it's just a lot so yeah kudos to <clears throat> moms and single moms especially it's really incredible. all caregivers you're doing all great <laughs> no matter what you're doing great yeah so that was that was last week and I'm already looking at this week like oh looks like a lot of the same <laughs> Oof. Oof. anyway we do what we can yeah. Oh, I I want to share something a little nerdy. Okay, go for it. Okay. So, have you looked at like our our analytics for the Art Okay Cool podcast? I did. Oh my god, it's so neat. We have someone in Kenya has us in their ears, or did at one point, and that is so neat. I know, like I that's awesome. Somebody hanging out, having a nice time in India is listening to us talk about art so cool technology man it's pretty incredible the future is now it is seriously (laughs) anyway but that's awesome and we appreciate everybody who's listening and you know what else not only that but there's been a number of people who've reached out to me and I know some have reached out to you just to share their feedback and let us know that they're enjoying the show and listening and and that's so rewarding so we're glad you guys are getting value and hopefully you know feel free anytime positive or even 
um, constructive criticism is always welcome and ideas too. If there's a specific topic that's been like bugging you and we can help dig into it and shed some light, we are very interested in finding out what what's important to you guys. Yeah, totally. It's been so great to hear feedback and we would love, uh, yeah, we'd love to know what you guys want to hear as well. So always welcome. Be nice to us though. We're tender babies. <laughs> We're trying our best. (laughs) So, Jade, what exactly is an artist residency? And are there different types? So, there are lots of different types. An artist residency is typically, it's time and space at a dedicated institution where you are working on your craft or your practice or a a particular project and there are lots of different types and the type so I'm I'm from a craft and design background as opposed to like a fine art background so that's what I have the most experience and knowledge in and in the craft and design world residencies fellowships things like that Um, typically you are at a studio that focuses on your medium or medium that you're interested in and you're there for a dedicated period of time. So there are short-term residencies that are like anywhere from a couple of weeks to a couple of months and then there are long-term residencies that are like a year up up to like five, ten years. So it really depends but yeah there's lots of variations. Yeah, so I don't know, There, there's something about residencies, like whenever I would go somewhere and it's like, I'm the artist in residence, I'm like, what does that mean? You live here? Like, what's, what's happening? <laughs> I don't get it. Um, so I have been learning a little bit more and, and finding out about them and they're, they do seem so varied, but the main, one of the main reasons I want to talk about it this week is because there was a residency position or is it position? I don't know, open in my area. And so I thought, well, what's the best way to learn about residencies? Apply and go do one. So Absolutely. It was kind of cool. There's um a place in Halifax called Wonderneath and it's a combo of like artist studios plus like community outreach. That's sort of their um so creating community around around the arts. Mhm. So that's what they were offering is like an artist studio for four weeks. Um, But combined with working on your own work, you also had to try to do some outreach within the community. But because it's COVID, they wanted people who could do things virtually or like um, they call them art packs, like create little kits that then the public can come and pick up and do the art in their own home. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So I... Again, I've never done a residency and still I have a lot of questions about like how exactly does that fit into my lifestyle? And to be perfectly honest, if I had gotten the residency, I would have had to drive an hour in every day in like winter with what I just told you about my family. It probably wasn't ideal, but my whole goal for this year was just to put myself out there and apply, 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 apply because um you learn from doing that right so anyway long story short I applied and I didn't get it but I got some interesting feedback so they gave me a lot of 
like positive feedback, which was great. Good. They're like, oh, you know, you seem upbeat and positive and blah, blah, blah. But they didn't give me any like criticism feedback. So I emailed them back again and said, thank you for your nice feedback. Now, can you tell me why I didn't actually get it? (laughs) Okay. <laughs> like, how am I supposed to improve if I don't know where I messed up, right? Right. So they just replied back that it was too vague and non-specific to their specific, like, to underneath that it could have been an application for a residency anywhere. Right. And so I was like, that's funny. I, I don't know if I necessarily agree because... I don't know how many other residencies you had to do like these community, like I had some ideas for um, some of those art boxes and ways I wanted to involve the community and, and yada, yada, yada. And other residencies, I know you just sort of go and work on your own work without that. So I'm not sure how it was not specific enough still at this point. I'm a little vague on, on that, but nonetheless, it was good to get that feedback. So Anyway, that was my only experience with trying to apply and failing. Um, But I know you've actually been successful. So can you maybe talk about one that you applied to that was successful and how that went for you? Yeah. So how about we we talk about my experiences with residencies and then we can kind of talk about the application process And maybe if we have time, we can talk about um, getting funding as well. Awesome. Let's do that. Okay. So my residency experience. So I did a summer residency as a student, a student summer residency at the Harborfront Center in Toronto. Yep. I did a, um, a residency at the Chrysler Museum of Art in Norfolk, Virginia. That was a six month residency. Wow. And then I did a fellowship, which is just kind of like another name for a residency um, that was two weeks, two and a half weeks. um, The Halberg Fellowship at the Pilchuck Glass School in uh, Stanwood, Washington. Okay. So, So those are the three that I've done and they're all very different. So the student summer residency at Harborfront was kind of like a like a supplement, I guess, to the education that I was in the process of completing. So, you know, you kind of had to show your work, show what you wanted to work on. um, And you were you were there with another student resident and then also the full time residents. So you you had your own slots for your own work. And then you were also expected to help and assist, um, the residents there. And that's something, um, that you'll often find in residencies and fellowships that there is often a, a work exchange element on some level. Okay. Um, so that's something to be aware of. So hold on with work exchange. Do you mean like in this instance, you were a student and then there were full-time residents. So you were supporting them some of yeah. the time yeah when- so you were you were assisting so like you okay. you all of the all of the artists there assist each other so they'll do like a schedule every month um and sign up for their own slots and then sign up for assisting slots so you're expected to assist and then there's also an element of um interacting with the public because it's an open studio situation oh, okay okay 
Okay, so, cool. Yeah, so you're also kind of like an ambassador for the facility itself. So does that mean they had like a gallery space? They had a gallery space and vitrines in in kind of the corridors. Um, I don't think they. I didn't get. I mean, as a as a as a summer student resident, they didn't give me any um, exhibition space. Um, okay. But I'm sure if you really knocked their socks off, they would. Okay, I got it. All right. And then the six month residency I did in Virginia, that was, um, that was a big work exchange. So there were, I had like, I had working days and my work assignment was helping with teaching the public classes. And then every once in a while, I was also a teaching assistant for their university partnership program. So they, they had partnerships with different, uh, arts post-secondary institutions where, they would have students come in and take classes in glass. So I would uh, TA for those as well. And they did have a gallery space. And part of that residency was um, mounting an exhibition while you were there. Oh, that's cool. Yes. And then the fellowship, this one was like my all-time favorite one that I've ever done. This was a a collaborative project-based residency so the the Halberg fellowship itself is really focused on collaboration so I got together a group of three other women and we proposed um our project was this is this is one of my favorite uh vague terms to use on applications our project was developing pathways to new work okay Surrounding the idea of the like the female form as a narrative tool for discussion. Okay. So when you say you're developing pathways to new work, that's code for I don't know if I'm going to make any finished work, but I'm going to experiment a lot. <laughs> okay, good to know. Good to know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was that was a really lovely residency. So we were on the Pilchuck campus, which is in the middle of a tree farm in the Pacific Northwest. Um, wow. We had our own cabins. They fed us. We had to pay for all of our supplies. But then they had, um, you know, they they were able to get us in touch with suppliers to get us discounts and things like that. Um, and we just like had a loose structure and we experimented and kind of played every day. So you went with these, like they were friends of yours or fellow artists that you already knew. Yeah. I, group. yeah, I got us, I got, I got us together as a group and kind of formed the, the header of what we were going to do. Um, and then we all kind of like pitched ideas to each other every day and we like supported each other through those explorations that's cool it was like a dream it was a dream (laughs) lots of lots of nudity in the woods um (laughs) lots of like smushed boobs it was uh, I wish I could go back there every day yeah that's great and that was in that was far that was in Washington right yeah so you had to travel for that and so that's the other thing sometimes there is a travel component 
Yeah. And a lot of the times with these, so like Harbor Front, for example, they have different studios. They've got textiles, jewelry, ceramic, glass, and those, those are long-term residencies. So those are a year up to, I think, four years. Um, and so you, you live, you live there. Um, like you live in Toronto, you have to, you have to live in Toronto and same thing with the residency that I did in Virginia. It's in Virginia. So I lived in Virginia for six months. Okay. So a couple of questions now breaking this down further. So first of all, let's talk like your major pros and your major cons from your experience. Just, I know it's a personal opinion. Everybody's is going to be different, but just specifically for you, someone who's done this before, what were like the best parts of your experiences? And maybe they weren't, you know, maybe you had a best part at one that was not so good at the other. So that's fine. But like, yeah, what were the best things? I think the best things in all of the scenarios are like the connections and the relationships that you make. Um, those are the long, the most long lasting um, and the biggest plus for me. And then the biggest negative for me is honestly uh, like the finances. It can be really expensive. It's a risk. It's um, it's yeah. it's not easy. Um, and when you're in it, when you're in the thick of it, when I did a that six month residency in Virginia, I'm there, and it was expensive. And I'm a Canadian citizen. I can't work while I'm there, so I had to come up with six months worth of money to support myself there and in Toronto. So I got grant funding for that. I took out a line of credit for that. I I went all in. And when you're in it and you have that much money on the line and you're not from a lot of money, you can, you can really resent it uh, if it's not living up to your expectations yeah. when you have that much money on the line. That said... The more distance you get from a situation like that, the better it is over time. Like all of the bad parts, like I don't like, I mean, if I really sat down and thought about it, I could definitely like whinge about all of the bad parts about my experience in Virginia. But it's been, I think it's been like four or five years now. And all I remember is the good parts. And I don't regret doing it. Not for a second. So talking about money you so this one they did not pay you but did you have to aside from supporting yourself your living expenses was there a fee to apply to go or uh so there might have been a small application fee which is pretty standard and then to participate in the residency no 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 there was no money there's no there's no money I didn't have to pay for the Halberg Fellowship, I didn't have to pay for the student summer residency, or maybe I did. Maybe there was a, a studio fee, like a small studio fee. But yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't pay for a residency. I'd pay for a workshop, absolutely. I'd pay for like studio time and studio space, sure. But I wouldn't pay to do a residency. Like you are, you're bringing a lot to the table in a residency, at least in the in the craft and design world. Mm-hmm. See, now, like, back to my example of the one I I just applied for recently here, they actually were paying whoever got the position, like, not a lot, but like an honorarium, which, I mean, it was enough that, that, um, you know, it definitely would make it worthwhile, especially if you're able to have time to just 
work on your your art or your your whatever you're working on and have studio space and collaborate and meet other people and 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 get some money for it like I thought that was pretty pretty nice because I wasn't sure how that worked because I've heard a lot of other people talk about residencies where you actually pay to go to the like yeah, there's one, um, an artist that I was talking to here in Nova Scotia, and there is a residency here, but uh, it sounds a little bit like you're, <clears throat> you're one in the woods. So it's like camping, but it's a number of artists together. And so you get to, you know, collaborate and bounce ideas off of each other and be in that community. But it almost sounds like summer camp in that you pay for one week or two weeks or you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. Yeah. That to me sounds like an, a, like a, like a retreat more than a residency. You know what I well, mean? Yeah. So that's why I guess I'm always unclear because they specifically call it a residency, but yet, I mean, you can call anything, anything. That's the thing. I guess that's why it's unclear. Right. It's like, there's so these quote unquote residencies, but the, the range of, what is included what isn't included how long how short you know do you have to like you say assist and provide or do you just work on your own projects I guess there's just basically it seems like no rules well so in my opinion like if you're doing a residence in in a perfect world you should be getting an honorarium um and in a couple of those cases I did um if you're paying a studio fee typically it's a very subsidized studio fee Okay. Um, which is great. And you because, shouldn't like, I just think what you were saying, like for a lot of people, especially it depends if you're, if you have certain circumstances where it's no big deal money or time-wise for you to vanish for a couple of weeks, a couple of months, that's fine. But like for me, <laughs> given my current circumstances, it's not super realistic. Although I did hear um, I think there are starting to be some residencies that provide accommodations for you to like bring your kids or bring your family. But for me personally, kudos to everybody who wants to spend 24 seven with their whole family. But for <laughs> me, if I'm doing a residency to focus on my work, romantic in my mind to be able to like literally do nothing but talk about art and make art. And I mean, it kind of is. Know? Is it? I mean, I have it in my mind. Like, oh, wouldn't that be so lovely? Like, picture this: you're on a beautiful sloping hill in the middle of a tree farm. You step out your cabin door, and all you can see is trees and fog and the Puget Sound in the distance. You go next door. You get your fellow artist friends. And you walk into the woods and you take off your tops and look at each other's boobs. How romantic is that? You had me until boobs. I don't know how exciting the boobs make me, but all the rest of it, I excitement. Good. It's not about excitement, it's about art. <laughs> No, it does. It sounds real like that's what appeal. Whenever I hear residency, that's what I have in my mind. Is just just like opportunity for no distractions from the typical real life stuff, and just being able to focus. That's that's what I have in my mind. But 
And I mean, the one thing I will say about all of those experiences, and like I kind of touched on it a little bit before about like the 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 cons of those things is expectation is the enemy of experience, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, the reason I've had negative experiences with workshops or residencies or things like that is because of my expectations. My expectations were too high or not in the right place, or they they shut me off from possibility. So when you embark on something like this, it is really important to try and keep expectations out and just be open to the experience and like dedicated to like working through it. Totally. I, I, yes. Expectations <laughs> are something I deal with as well. Not, not all. I mean, it depends on the circumstance, but yeah, I think at this point I've had this, you know, romanticized idea of, <laughs> of residencies that if I ever get one, I'm really going to have to check myself. Well, yeah. And like, that's the other thing too, like just checking yourself and I don't know, like, again, the money is always, the money is always the hardest thing for me. And it's scary. Like that six month residency that I did, I mean, I don't want to do the math, but I know, I know that it cost me no less than $15,000 to do that residency. Yeah, that's a big commitment. Um, and I got I got grant funding for about half of that, which was great. And I mean, that's like $15,000 to live anywhere for six months technically is not bad at all. And I, I do everything as as affordably as I can. But yeah, when when you're going through it and you're like, I've sunk $15,000 into this and it's not living up to my expectations. That's uh, that can be a hard pill to swallow. Totally. But also in life in general, oftentimes they are what we make of it too, right? Like, absolutely. So even if it wasn't going exactly as you had planned, you could have, you know, switched it up or whatever done what you had to do to get more out of it if possible. Right. Yeah. Um, let's talk about applying. I have okay. I have some I have some opinions on applications. Yes. Okay. Go ahead. So when you're applying to anything, whether you're applying to a workshop, a residency, a grant, whatever, the sort of loose structure that I use in my proposal is opening with something similar to an artist statement. So you want to introduce yourself first. Um, you want it to be kind of catchy and grabby. So you want to talk about who you are and what you're doing. Because you are typically applying to these things with a portfolio, the second thing you want to do is kind of talk about your past work um, and use that to confirm things in your artist statement. So you can reference the photos in your support material or on your CV to prove the points that you made in your artist statement. So you're getting really specific there. The third little chunk for me would be the proposed project and or your future goals. So what are, like what is it that you want to do for the thing that you're applying for? Um, like what have you learned from your past work and how is it informing the proposed work um, and how all of that relates to you as an artist? And then the fourth section that I feel is important that maybe a lot of people miss or don't think about is um, it's kind of like your audience dis audience discussion. So um, 
what do you want your audience to get from this? Who are your audience and what do you want them to get from it? What type of questions are you asking? Why does your audience like need to hear these questions and what will they get from them? Why is the work that you're making an important discussion and what's that going to bring to the community? Mm. Yeah, very good points. I think I, missed, um, I think I missed a lot of those in my application, to be honest. I mean, first time is, there's a lot. And I think that's another, so some mistakes that I think that people make on their first go, and like, I have a couple of applications from like, just wee baby Jade, and it is the specificity. So I remember applying for things in the beginning, workshops in particular, and just being like, some of them will make you pick like your top three choices. And then in my application, just being like, I would be just so happy to do any of them, any one of them. I would just be so happy to be there. I would work so hard, boo, 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 boo. And like, that tells me nothing. Mm. Cool. Everybody who's applying would be happy to be here. So I don't, what am I supposed to do with that on an application? So like that lack of specificity. And again, those deliverables, like, If you're applying for, let's say you're applying for a workshop um, to learn a specific skill, I need to know why this skill is relevant to your practice. I need to know what you're going to get from it. And I need to know how you're going to use the results of that workshop in the future. Like those are really clear and direct ways. So when you're kind of just like all over the place and non-specific, that doesn't really set you apart from anybody else. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and isn't it funny that that's the feedback I got to was like, not specific enough. And I was like, really? Okay, I thought it was. But clearly, I'm going to have to go back and look at it again now, especially after our chit chat. Yeah, and it's like, you really have to pinpoint those specific things and those deliverables. And it's not, it's not, I think, I feel, I want, I hope. It's like, I will, I am, I'm doing. So you want to use those I statements to back things up. Right. So not, you you don't want to hope like if chosen for this, whatever grant residency funding, I will X, Y, and Z. Not, I hope to like, you're, you're going to do it. If you get it, you're going to do it. You can't question yourself like that. Yeah, that's good. Um, Another mistake I think that people make is, and this this works for some people. I feel like some people are just really charming and it suits their personality. But um, I've heard time and time again from people who are have been on juries is don't use quotes from other people. Um, the people on the jury, they want to know what you have to say, not what somebody else has to say. Like this chunk, these 1200 characters are a space to talk about you. Um, And I've also heard, and I don't want to make anybody feel bad, but like, if you're using those quotes and things like that, they're not, they're not saying nice things about you on the jury. If you're using, if you're using like corny quotes and stuff like that, they're not saying nice things about you. They may be, they may be poking fun at you a little bit, which is, which is not what you want when you're applying for something and, and you mean it and you're being serious about it. Okay, so I've never used a quote in an application before. <laughs> but, <laughs> good, but good. But, like, what do you mean? Like, somebody's saying, like, 
like the artist so-and-so once said like that kind of thing you mean yeah or like opening it up with like I don't know like a quote from Matisse about art or something like that okay you know what I mean yeah like that's they they're not interested and don't get me wrong there's always exceptions to the rule like I have I have a friend from Argentina and like she's so charming and so lovely and like she opened up I was editing something for her and she opened it up with a quote and I'm like ugh. in any other scenario I would say no but like just like you and your work and the way that you talk in this in this cover letter or whatever it works so I think leave it because people are going to be charmed by you but so basically don't use quotes unless you're super charming and can't get away with using quotes is what you're saying Jade yeah yeah exactly (laughs) you're not charming (laughs) I think not charming people don't know that they're not charming though so (laughs) that's true anyway okay that's interesting yeah I've never like I said I've never done it's not crossed my mind to do that but apparently it crosses a lot of people's minds if you're saying that you've heard this is not but I get where you know you have a limited number of space to talk about yourself and they just want to hear you talk about yourself yeah exactly and talk about talk about talk about the work too Um, yes don't talk about you don't need to talk about like your resume necessarily unless it's something specifically that they're asking for they would they just want to know about the work in a lot of cases and the other thing to all of this is always be very careful and read all of the instructions the call the the guidelines very carefully because there are clues throughout all of that that tell you what they're looking for pay attention to the language that they're using and adapt your language to like suit what they're into and the other thing is if there is a a contact on the application um, that you can reach out to before you submit and you can set up a phone call or something to do that, do that. Because a lot of the times, um, especially for these like federal or provincial grants, there are nuances that you might not be understanding. So you might get disqualified because you didn't understand one little caveat. Really? Because somebody else said that to me. Um, also about reach out to the grant officer or whatever officer and I was like but then like what are you what are you saying in that are you giving them your application and they're going to give you feedback before you submit it or are you just having a conversation and they'll like reveal things to you how does that even work it's a little bit of both and um, the grant officer isn't on the jury okay the grant officer is not on the jury. That would be a conflict of interest. So, for example, yeah. okay, <clears throat> that makes more sense. The way that I got funding to do my residency in Virginia, um, it was an Ontario Arts Council grant for yeah. residencies specifically. Um, but those grants are only applicable to residencies up to three months. Okay. And my residency was a six-month residency. So I set up a call with the grant officer and we had a conversation about what was going on. And he was like, okay, well, if your residency is six months and this is this only covers three months, 
what you can do is structure your residency to fit the grant. So you can say in your grant application that for just for example, for the first three months of this residency, you're just going to be researching techniques and color and testing and doing all this type of things. And that activity stops after three months and then you'll continue on with the rest of your residency so that the money that you're getting from this grant is just going to this activity that's specifically only happening for the first three months of your six month residency. Mm, And I would have never thought of that. Right. So if you had just applied and said, uh, I know this is just for three months, but the thing, uh, the residency is six months, but I'm applying anyway, they would automatically like disqualify you. Yeah. Because that's, it's not for six months, it's for three months. So that's where like getting into the language is really important. And again, like you wouldn't know that unless you had a conversation with the officer or whatever they're called. Right. Okay. That makes more sense because I was sort of like, I don't really understand the benefit of reaching out beforehand because... Yeah, I don't know. I just couldn't wrap my head around what the benefit of that was. But that makes more sense. So, And especially if they're not, like, because I guess that's where I was confused, too, is that I'm thinking they're going to see the application anyway. And so why would they see it beforehand? But it's So I'm going to just share with you um, an assessment rubric that I'll share I'll share the excellent category so this is um I can't remember what institution this is for I think this is it could be provincial or federal but I I I did a workshop where I sat in on a mock jury for a project grant um and this is the other thing too if you're connected to all of these granting bodies and residencies and things like that Oftentimes they'll, they'll hold these types of workshops and this gives you really good insight to how people are assessing you, whether it be for, again, residency grant, whatever. So here are some of the categories. The, the project activity, a five out of five is distinct and compelling as opposed to uninteresting or unclear. Support material, outstanding artistic quality versus doesn't sufficiently demonstrate quality of past work relevant to the project. Um, Your artistic goals. So a five, distinct artistic goals and rationale, robust ideas on outcomes. A zero in that category, unclear artistic goals, no rationale, no uh, no detail on outcomes. So this goes on and on. Um, there's So this is just like, that was the artistic merit section. Then there's the impact section. And then there's wow. the viability section. And in this scenario, to make it to the first round, to make it through the first round of cuts, like you need to have an average of three or higher. If you, if you have ones and twos across the board, you're not even mm, making it to the second that's round. That's so interesting. I bet that was so interesting to like, sit in on a mock jury yeah and you have to think these organizations are getting so many applications that as a juror 
your job, you have a time limit a lot of the times on how much you can spend on each application. So for like for your first round picks, you have five read five minutes to assess. So 15 minutes total, they're looking at your application for the first time. And if you don't make it through the first round, like wow, that's it, you're dead. That's so interesting. I never even, yeah, I've never thought about, <laughs> about that part of it, like being part of the jury and what that's <laughs> like, right? Because I know that when I was first applying for stuff, I was just even overwhelmed by the amount of information I had to provide, not thinking that on the other end of that, there are people who have to go through mountains of applications. Well, maybe not mountains, maybe. Yeah. I mean, depends on what the application is for, obviously. But nonetheless, like you're providing so much information that then has to be broken down by them. And like you say, they can't spend, you know, all day. So you've got to be really clear, really concise, really deliberate with your application. Yeah, definitely having a few little aha moments here, Jade. <laughs> well good that's that's what the podcast is all about okay awesome what else is there anything else that like I think that's part of my problem too a lot of the times with new things is I don't even know what questions to ask so that's all I've got in terms of my questions is there anything that I haven't that we haven't dug into that you think is worth mentioning Hey, it's Celine. I'm just popping in to let you know that once again this week, we had a few little technical glitches when we were recording and our voices overlap one another. We're not sure why, we're still trying to figure it out, but please just bear with us and have a little bit of grace. Thanks. Oh, the other thing, the last thing that I think is really important um, is to have your references in order have like have some people you know that you can call on to have references if the application needs references and please for the love of god give them two weeks notice to write your reference yeah um yeah exactly give them two weeks notice ask them at least two weeks in advance i mean obviously there are going to be scenarios where like you find out about a call a week before it's due but please 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 be kind to your references and give them that two weeks notice um and that gives you some space to follow up with them as well without nagging them about it reference um that was not specifically for this um application but would still apply can you re reuse somebody's reference if you have their permission if you have their permission, that that should be fine. Um, but Better, yeah. again, specificity matters. So, um, and another thing that you can do is if you are tight on time or maybe your reference doesn't love writing reference letters is you can kind of write one for yourself, write one for yourself, hit the notes that you want to hit. They can edit and adjust it however they right. want and just put their name on it. I've had a, I have a couple of references that are like, just put down what you need and I'll read it over and send okay. it off. Good idea. So. All right. Well, yeah. I guess that's it for residencies at this moment. Uh, I, I feel so. like we covered a lot of ground. So something that is super cool. I'm ready to go with my okay. super cool. So super cool for me this week was a documentary I watched called Black Art on HBO. 
Um, if you guys have been listening to the podcast, you know that I'm self-taught. So I'm always looking for just ways to learn and expand and, and get new ideas. So anyway, this was recommended to me and it's on HBO. If you have HBO, I suggest you go watch it. So it's just a great, um, it's just really interesting, number one. But so just one of the things I wanted to share what that they share in the movie is um, of the major museums, they did like a survey and 85% is white artists in museums. And then of mm-hmm. the uh, people of color, if you break that down further, only 1.2% is act is black artists. So we have a lot of work to do <laughs> um, there, but it's so much the documentary talking about um, an exhibit that was called two centuries of black American art that was put on in 1976 by um, an art historian and artist named David Driscoll. And so it just goes, that's sort of the jumping off point. And then it just goes and talks about um how that was received and other attempts at putting the focus on black art through the years. Um, and then it comes current day, like with Kehinde Wiley, who did um, Barack Obama's portrait and why that was so important as the first black artist and the first black president. But also if you look at all of the presidential portraits over time and how it was just such, um, such an extreme, version like all of you have to watch the documentary but you can picture president portraits you know very serious and if you haven't seen Barack's it's like full of life and very much in Kahinde's style with these floral background with these leaves and it's just full of life and it's just um it's just really interesting to see the changes that have come anyway so that's that that is what I think is super cool and and really awesome and then on that note I just wanted to say, so I wrote down like, oh my God, I'm looking at it here. I have probably like 20 names of black artists that a lot of them I'd never heard of. So it just gave me a jumping off point to be like, okay, let me go and research these people and the impacts that they've made and what they've contributed um, over the years, because I just didn't, I just don't, didn't know they were there. Just a quick note here, I thought I would actually read you the list of names that I wrote down while I was watching the documentary. I didn't catch all the names, and I apologize if I mispronounce anyone's name, but I just thought you guys might want to start Googling them and doing some exploring of their work, or maybe you don't have access to HBO. So here we go. Jordan Castile, Faith Ringgold, Carrie James Marshall, Charles White, Betty Saar, James Van Der Zee, Richard Mayhew, Norman Lewis, Emma Amos, Radcliffe Bailey, Kehinde Wally, Amy Sherald, Gordon Parks, Fred Wilson, Adrian Piper, Carrie Mae Weems, Jean-Michel Basquiat, Kara Walker, Sanford Biggers, and Theaster Gates. Like I said, I missed a few, so if you watch the documentary and you catch some more, um, great. And if you don't have a chance to listen or watch the documentary, at least you have a jumping off point with this list. So I think it, if you're interested in, in that type of stuff and furthering your education and learning about 
amazing artists and their contribution and especially where it's black history month this might be a good a good one to watch love that so what about you what what's super cool in your world what is my super cool this week I guess just being able to be back in the studio like that was that was so amazing it's been you know more than six months since I've been able to get into the studio so being able to access my medium and work and do well and like glasses the only thing I could do all day every day nonstop if my body let me do it and walking back into the studio and taking that first gather from the furnace every time it's like oh my god this is so cool I'm so cool. It is, it is super cool. Like, and I'm, I'm not my... so excited about it because that, <laughs> it was such a big, it's such a big thing. Not just, not just the commission, but actually getting your hands back into doing what you love, right? Like it is. Pay the studio owner, being able to rent time and share my wealth, <laughs> yeah. my air quotes wealth in this moment. Somebody else who like, you know, she's a single mom. Yeah. She's got two teenage boys. She runs a studio. She's like a hustler. And in this moment, I got this commission. And not only do I get to access glass, but I get to share that wealth, give that money to another artist who obviously needs it in this time. So yeah, it's just like, I'm working with my material. I'm supporting my community. I'm like giving a friend and a colleague money so that I can do my work. Like all of those things feel super cool. Um, awesome. Well, that's it for this week. So Jade, where's everybody going to find you? You can find me at color worship on Instagram or on my website at jadeusakis.com. And what about you, Celine? Where can they find you? And also Celine Gabrielle art on Instagram and Facebook. And we would love it if you guys could rate, review, share. Um, I can see that there forty-eight percent of our listeners are iPhone listeners. So rate us on Apple, iPod, <laughs> iTunes, whatever it is. Now I just got an iPhone. I should know this. Rate, review us. Do us a favor if you really liked one of these episodes, like share it with a friend. Send them the link. It would be really great.